You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I am your host, John Hutspeth, and I hope you guys are ready because, well, first off, I got a nice long intro this week, but second of all, we have a really cool podcast this week, one that I've been wanting to touch on for a while, and uh, we're going to get to it here in a little bit, but I just, I'm pretty excited about this one. So anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, got a lot to talk about here in the intro. One, I just finally have some time to do it. Two, a lot of things have been happening. So even though it's June, whatever it is now, uh, lots of stuff in the works. So first off, I was able to make it out to the ranch over the weekend. Got quite a bit done. I wouldn't say I got everything on my list done, but got quite a bit done. Mainly, I got a lot of my mowing done that I wanted to. And so, yeah, hooked up the, the brush hog to the tractor, headed back. And man, I have no idea how many acres I mowed, but it was a decent amount. And uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, haven't been listening the last few weeks, my goal with this, uh, I keep calling it Hocus Pocus and witchcraft and stuff, I learned somewhere that if you mow native grass around the summer equinox, 
that it can help it grow back thicker, fuller, healthier, that type of thing. So uh, I've kind of taken that to heart. I haven't done it the last two years. I did it three years ago. It seemed to work pretty well. And so that was my goal for this summer because I didn't get to do any of my burning this spring. The, the weather and stuff just never worked out for my schedule. And so I wanted to do something. And so that's what I decided to do. And so I, t- I went about it in a, in a different way this year, though. Just stuff I've learned over the last couple of years, things that I've witnessed. Um, I didn't want to just, like, take everything down to the ground. And so... I did, um, I don't know, I just did it a lot more strategically than getting out there and just mowing everything fence line to fence line. And so first thing I did was I came off the fence line. I left a good at least 20 yards between the fence and where I mowed. And I had lots of reasons for that. One, um, a little buffer strip uh, between the neighbors. Two, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure if this is going to work or not. Um, And so, you know, if it does work, then great. If it doesn't work, at least I still have some thick stuff that wasn't mowed uh, next to the neighbors. Uh, three, what am I at now? Three. One thing that I was really trying to accomplish with this, something that I you know, learned about a lot last year when I was in Nebraska, I wanted to create edge. And so that's another reason I didn't take it all the way up to the fence because, you know, Either way, I'm going to wind up with edge. Let's say this works and all the native grass takes off and shoots up and is awesome. Well, then that stuff that I didn't mow, maybe it's not as good and you'll have that edge. Or the other way, let's say I ruined it and, you know, this stuff's not going to grow. Well, then that stuff that I didn't mow, it's still tall, thick and everything. And so I'll still have edge just kind of, you know, the other direction. Um, another thing that I did that a lot of the, you know, farmers and ranchers are probably, uh, you know, rolling their eyes at Anytime I came up to a big patch of like blackberries or brush, I mowed around it, let it go. Um, again, just, you know, there's some structure out there now. There's some edge, there's berries, you know, a food source. Um, so just lots of reasons. So I left a couple big blackberry patches. Uh, another thing, I think I'm up to like number four here. Um, there in certain parts of uh, the areas that I mowed. There were tree saplings coming up, and I could tell the majority of them were oaks. A lot of them were either some t- type of white oak or post oak. And um, I basically used the mower to kind of thin them out and pick the better trees. So I left the better trees. Um, if there were areas where like there was a bunch of them growing real close together, I thinned them out and left you know one or two. Um, you know, if there were two growing next to each other out in the open, I went ahead and took one of them out just so that they were no longer competing. I let, you know, that one good one's now going to get all the nutrients, all the, all the good stuff out of the ground. Um, I, there's been a few trees that I've been letting grow, you know, since we bought the property with the goal of hanging a tree stand in them. Uh, and so I cleared out around those a little bit, you know, just to help those grow faster so I can hurry up and get a tree stand in them. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, I mowed a few little paths, uh, just some things that I normally mow every year anyway to kind of help maybe direct the deer a little bit. Um, so for instance, one spot that I ended up not hunting last year, but there's a a group of post oaks that have been growing up. They're probably in the like 10 to 15 foot range. And, uh, I tucked an old tripod that I had in the middle of those post oaks and it's kind of out in the open. It's really close to the saddle on this hilltop. Um, and so basically I mowed a path about 15 yards in front of that tripod uh, because then it'd be really cool to hunt there with the longbow. Um, you can be hidden in those little treetops. You're, you're fairly low. 
Um, and hopefully I can get a deer walking right down that path at 15 yards. So did some stuff like that, um, mowed some areas that, uh, you know, I wanted to promote the native grass. There was a lot, like I could see a lot of, uh, blue stem, you know, big blue stem, little blue stem, Indian grass and stuff that was just starting to come up. And so I'm thinking, you know, just like a yard, you knock that stuff off and it's going to grow back thicker, fresher. And yeah, that's, that's the thought behind it. And so, um, there were some other areas that, uh, just, you know, from last summer with the drought and grazing it hard with the cattle that the, the weeds had just kind of taken over and, um, and it just looked nasty. There's a bunch of old, like dead goat weeds and stuff like that. Just stuff that's not beneficial. So I went ahead and took those areas out. And yeah, like I said, just did a stinking ton of, of mowing. That's basically all I did all, um, on Saturday. Um, I did check out my soybean plots, and oh my gosh, guys, if you're not following me on Instagram, you need to be. I like, I, I shed a tear of happiness when I got to that first plot, looked at it, and that plot was definitely the best also, so that didn't, you know, didn't help, but uh, just just beautiful, lush soybeans. We've gotten super lucky and gotten some random rains. Um, actually, the night, I guess it was the night after I got done mowing, uh, we ended up getting like, I want to say like an inch and a half of rain or something that night, which is fantastic for the soybeans, fantastic for the stuff I mowed, um, just fantastic in general. And so I hope you guys have been getting some of the rain that we've been getting. We haven't got a ton. Like I'd say we're still below average, but we have just been pretty fortunate uh, to get these little random storms to where I wouldn't say we're lacking. And, and you know, ever since I planted my soybeans, it's it's been pretty perfect. About every, you know, week or so, we seem to get just some random rainstorm. So, so yeah, that's been awesome. Uh, we also, I also woke up Sunday morning with zero cell service and zero internet because apparently lightning hit the tower close by um, and just knocked it out completely. And so I had no idea what was going on when I woke up Sunday. I couldn't get a hold of my wife. I couldn't tell her what was going on. I couldn't tell her that I was okay. Um, luckily she doesn't care about me that much and worry about me that much. She does care. She just doesn't worry about me. She knows better than to, uh, to, than to count on me, you know, texting her every 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was kind of crazy. What else about that weekend? I guess that was it. Um, I did not get to fill my protein feeders. I actually went uh, Sunday morning to do it, and my brother had borrowed my keys and had not given them back to me, and I was locked out of all of our equipment, and because I didn't have any cell service, I couldn't call him to ask where the keys were out. He had already left for church, um, so I was not able to fill the protein feeders, unfortunately, but luckily... Pretty much everywhere I have a protein feeder is where the soybeans are growing. So my deer aren't lacking for nutrition. Um, it'd just be nice to kind of get them up, give them that extra boost, give them that extra option. And, and like I said, a big part of the reason, yeah, I'm not even feeding real protein. A big part of the reason I'm doing it is just for the attraction to try to, you know, keep the deer off the neighbors. So, so yeah, that was my weekend. I did get one other awesome, amazing piece of news over the weekend, though. Uh, I, I talked about it on my Instagram story. I posted on Instagram. I officially successfully drew an Iowa archery tag. I'm going to Iowa. My first real draw hunt, which is kind of funny because it's in Iowa. It's not out west after elk or mule deer or anything like that. I drew a whitetail tag. 
Um, but guys, I'm I'm so dang excited. I like I, I was actually I was <laughs> I kid you not. I was standing in my soybean field and I was ecstatic because they looked so good. And that's what made me think of Iowa. And so I pull out my phone, I look it up online, and I was successful. So I'm like literally dancing around in my soybean field for so many reasons. Like I don't know what I did. But like this season so far, and I'm knocking on wood here big time because there's a lot of things that can go wrong. But so far, this season is lining up to be one for the books. Um, so yeah, I got my Oklahoma stuff is going pretty well. I got a little bit more prep to do. Um, I'll still have access to uh, my buddy's place in Texas. I plan to go to Nebraska still. Um, something on that here in a little bit. And then I drew an Iowa tag. And so... Yeah, like I said, I believe that puts me at one, two, three, four, um, at least five buck tags. In Texas, you get three, but the way they do it with the different counties, like I, I, I have definitely one county to hunt, potentially two or three counties. So my buddy's new place technically is in two counties, um, but I don't know how much freedom I'm going to have on his new place. He's kind of holding it a little closer to the chest, but, um, but yeah. All that to say, I'm going to get my fill of whitetail deer hunting this year. So very, very excited. A few little uh, just kind of things I'm doing to keep my hopes in check. Um, we'll start with Nebraska. So first thing off, they are limiting non-resident deer hunters this year. I got an email about two weeks ago talking about that. And so the tags go on sale, I believe sometime in July. I was, I was like, it listed a bunch of different dates. And honestly, I was a little bit confused by which date was which. And so I think I'm actually going to call them and figure out what day that is, because I'm guessing those are going to go pretty quick. So I'm, it's not guaranteed I can go to Nebraska yet. Um, and then still on the note of Nebraska, you know, this spring when I was out there turkey hunting, I found three deadheads on the land that I have permission to hunt, uh, which means last year, and I you know, asked my, fa- uh, my sister's father-in-law about it, he said they had a real dry year last year. So I'm guessing the deer herd got knocked down quite a bit by EHD, um, I did on my camera that I'd left out over the year. I did have s- several good bucks in the like November, December, January range. And so I think if they were going to die by the disease, they would have already been dead. So there is, there is some hope there, but yes, that is not a guaranteed tag anymore. And then moving on to Iowa, still in that EHD range. <laughs> I just feel like every time I turn around, um, social media, you know, if you're listening to all the, you know, all the big Iowa people, Lee and Tiffany, I just watched a video of theirs. Um, I think Bill Winkie's talked about it. Several other people, they're all just scared to death that there's going to be a huge EHD breakout this year. Um, I guess it's just been super dry. They've not been getting these rains. Uh, that is like the hub. The Midwest is like the hub for EHD. And so I've waited seven years to, to draw this tag and I could be going into one of the worst EHD years on record. Um, like I said, Lee uh, Likoski, he was um, talking about the year so far. You know, it's not over yet. There's still a chance. But he was saying so far, uh, this has kind of reminded him of back in 2012 and 13 that just decimated the, the Iowa deer herd. So, so yeah, keep that in your prayers. Keep them in your prayers, not just for the deer, but all the farmers and ranchers in Iowa and Nebraska, Illinois, like the whole Midwest. Um, I feel very selfish, you know, complaining about uh, the deer herd and stuff when when there's people whose livelihoods are on the stake. But, but yeah, all that to say, I am extremely excited. Um, I'm probably going to do a podcast here in a few weeks. 
Um, one, I'm going to probably have uh, Mr. Emperor himself, Dan Johnson, on to talk about Iowa. You know what to expect, what I should um, you know count on, stuff like that. Some dates. I'm still trying to figure out when I want to go. Um, probably going to talk about you know my schedule. Uh, now I have enough of these hunts planned and and enough states that I'm going to have to really kind of sit down, which is something I don't like to do. I'm not a big planner. I'd, I'd rather fly by the seat of my pants, um, especially when it comes to deer hunting because you know I'd love to plan around weather and stuff like that. But with as many hunts and as many, with, oh man, with as many hunts as I have and with as many irons in the fire as I'm going to have this year, I do need to sit down and do some more careful planning, need to plan it out with the wife and, you know, when she's going to be available to keep our kid. Am I going to need to take the kid? Um, when I want to go to Nebraska in September, my wife's actually going to be out of the country on a mission trip. And so I got to figure out if I'm going to take my daughter with me, if my sister can help me babysit, if my mom can keep her, if my mom wants to come with me and help babysit. Um, so yeah, lots and lots of coordinating this year. Um, so it's going to be very interesting, but like I said, it's setting up to where it could potentially be a season, you know, a season of all seasons, one for the record books, that type of thing. But there's still definitely a chance that things could go terribly wrong and I have all these hopes and just nothing ends up working out. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, gosh, what else? What else? Um, the One Nation Expo. I haven't thrown that out here in a while. That's coming up in August, I believe. Wanted to throw that out there for those guys. Um, that's kind of all I can think of right now. Uh, like I mentioned, I guess last week, guys, deer season's going to be here before you know it. Um, so like I said, I, I hopefully will be in Nebraska in September. So that's like two months away, essentially at this point, a little over two months away. Um, and you know, if, if you're just sticking around Oklahoma, a little over three months away. So it's definitely time. Get the bow out, get the gun out, muzzle loader whatever you want to use, crossbow, whatever it is, get out there and start practicing. I know it's hot as all get out. Uh, this coming week when this drops, it's supposed to be like, I want to say the lowest high I saw was like 101. It's supposed to be miserably hot, but get yourself a shade tree, garage, whatever you need to do, get out there and start practicing with your weapon because you don't want to put in all this work. And when the moment of truth comes, screw it up by, you know, a bad shot. So, so yeah, that's my two cents on that. All right. We've been going for like 16 minutes or something on this intro. That's probably good enough. Um, like I said, we got a really exciting episode this week. Today we are talking to Greg Willis and Greg's with U.S. Hunts and they are a leasing company. So they specialize in deer hunting leases in Oklahoma. Um, I've seen on their website, I, I know I saw one or two in Texas, I think I saw one maybe in Kansas, but they primarily focus on Oklahoma, and I've been wanting to do a leasing episode for a long time, it's been on my mind for a while actually, because I just know a lot of people in Oklahoma and other places rely on hunting leases in order to get out there and do the things that we love. And so um, I, I can't get into it now, a uh, story for another day, but I might be looking for a lease myself in the next year or two. And so, yeah, I was very excited to have Greg on, and I think this is going to be a really, really good educational episode. So I got a lot of questions lined up. i very excited to have Greg on. I hope you guys are ready for it. As usual, 
thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me ramble and talk into a can here. So yeah, huge shout out to you guys. Thank you for Greg or thank you to Greg for coming on. And uh, yeah, we're going to hear a quick word from our partners and then we're going to get into my interview with Greg Willis right after this. The more I look at land, the more I see that good looking Arrowhead Land Company logo. The guys and gals at Arrowhead are making a huge splash in the Oklahoma land market. So if you're looking to buy or sell, be sure to give them a call. They have agents across the state ready to help you out or answer any questions you may have. So check out Arrowhead Land Company and let their hardworking agents go to work for you. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show and today we're talking to Greg Willis. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a long, busy day, but uh, you know, I'm ready to just kind of calm down, sit down, and uh, talk about some hunting stuff. So, um, All right. Well, I'm ready to roll. Awesome. Awesome. Well, real quick, before we get into too much of the fun stuff, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Greg Willis. I live in Choctaw, Oklahoma. <clears throat> I've been married to my wife for so long that uh, I can't even tell you how long it's been. It's been quite a while. And uh, we have three kids and we have, I think we're up to eight grandkids now. Mm. And uh, I was born and raised in Oklahoma and uh, grew up hunting. And uh, that's kind of my my story, I guess, if you will, in a, in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome, Greg. Well, we're here to talk about a, a topic that I've I've been wanting to and trying to talk about for a while, just kind of been waiting for the right person, and and I think you're it, and so I'm pretty excited about it. But uh, you have a company called US Hunts, and it is a lease company, a leasing company. Um, so yeah, I know a lot of people that listen to this uh, rely on leases. A lot of people throughout the country rely on leases, and so really excited to have a conversation about it. So um, just to start us off, why don't you give us kind of the quick, like 30,000 foot view, you know, what is U.S. Hunts? Well, I will do that. Thank you. <clears throat> so U.S. Hunts, actually, we just rolled that name out in our brand new website approximately two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it started off back in 1999 as Oki Hunts. And most people in Oklahoma that hunt have heard of Oki Hunts. Um, <clears throat> But uh, we started that off in 99. I didn't really do much with it until about five years ago after a, a really a good landowner friend of mine uh, passed away. And he had always told me, man, you, you ought to do this. You're, you're good at it. People like you, you know, and he just felt very complimentary. But uh, he, uh, he kept telling me that. I went to his funeral and uh, at his funeral, I'd gotten to know his kids and his grandkids. And my daughter used to stay over there with the grandkids when we would go hunting some and they got real close and stuff and anyway at the funeral I had the farmers come up and ask me if I was the guy that did that for the landowner and I said yeah and they started asking me if I'd do it for them and it just kind of snowballed and uh, we ran it as Oki hunts like I said for 
oh, about five years, uh, started advertising a little bit on Facebook and trying some different ways to find landowners. <clears throat> and we started having success and, you know, picking up land and, and growing our, our uh, amount of acreages that we had, growing our number of hunters that were doing business with us every year. And it really kind of developed into this thing where I thought, man, I could maybe expand this thing and, and go outside of uh, Oklahoma at some point in the future. But I didn't have a website that would allow me to do it uh, without miserably failing. So <clears throat> we just built a new website, again, U.S. Hunts. And uh, it's built kind of like VRBO. You can get on there and sort by hunter amenities, not, uh, you know, civilian type of amenities, but uh, you can sort by if it has waterfowl, if it has certain type of animals, you know, uh, if it has ponds or rivers, there's different things you can sort by. And uh, that's pretty much where we're at today. We're starting to market and advertise into other states now. And uh, we're trying to broaden our horizon now that we have a, a tool that actually will allow us to grow. Awesome, man. That's a great story. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, I have heard of the the Okie hunts. And so, uh, yeah, coming full circle. That's awesome. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. A lot of fun. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, I definitely wanted to want to dive in a little deeper and, and learn about some of this stuff. And so my first question is pretty easy. Um, I, I think it's easy, at least. So uh, just kind of off the top, you know, what are some advantages to leasing over owning? Well, over owning, of course, would be the capital outlay for buying a piece of property. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> another benefit I think that there is, is that you can kind of pick different regional areas that you may want to hunt. Mm -hmm. uh, you may pick an area like for the last three, four years in Western Oklahoma, it has been super, super dry. If you had land over there that you had bought and you were trying to grow deer, the, the minerals in the ground weren't there. It wasn't in the plants and uh, because they weren't getting any rainfall. So you might want to have a lease over in Eastern Oklahoma somewhere uh, that's, you know, has more rainfall. Uh, but those are your primary reasons. There's a lot of advantage to owning your own property as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Gotcha. That's definitely the two that came to my mind. I mean, cheaper and, uh, and yes. then, yeah, like, you, you know, you kind of mentioned like being able to move around and pick spots, but also you're not, you know, if something like that happens that you just mentioned, you know, you're not stuck with this piece of ground that, you know, right. may have lost value for that reason or whatever reason, you know, all you do is cancel the lease and, and pick a new one. So that's so, yeah. it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so when people are looking for a lease, obviously the first thing they're going to be interested in are big deer. I think that's kind of a given, but, um, yes. you know, what are, what are some other things that they should keep in mind or ask about or be concerned about other than just, are there 200 inch deer on this property? Well, <laughs> and that, that's, that's definitely true. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, you know, everyone is always asking if there's livestock on the property. We live in Oklahoma, man. There's livestock on just about every piece of property. I think I have, out of all of my properties, probably 5% of them don't have livestock on them. So um, now <clears throat> the thing to keep in mind is how many livestock is on that property. Um, how many cows per acre are on the property. Those are things that you have to look for because if it's a feedlot, you're, you're, you're not going to have much success hunting. 
Um, so that's that's one thing. Um, uh, water uh, on the property, especially in western Oklahoma, that's been a, a really big deal. Um, in uh, southwestern Oklahoma, most of the people down there have uh, <clears throat> water tanks uh, for the cattle and uh, solar pumps or electric pumps. And the deer will come up and, and drink out of those things uh, at night. But, uh, you know, I would say primarily um, a good landowner is key. Um, you, want, uh, you want good communication with the landowner or even a, a company like ours who will respond when you have a question. Um, those are primarily the, the things that I think are, are important. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw out there uh, probably good neighbors too. Yes, yeah. If, if you can have good communication with your neighbors, I, I always encourage people to try to meet people driving down the road that are next door neighbors because you may need to call them and get permission to go pull an animal off the property. And if they don't know you or you don't have their phone number, and we do help uh, hunters with that. Uh, we've had some call us before and tell us a deer's crossed the fence and could we try to find that person? And we found them and uh, they met them out there and helped them. They never did retrieve the deer, unfortunately, but they, mm -hmm. they did help. Them. So that is, that's important as well. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, this next question, I, I almost hate to ask it, but I just know there's people out there wondering, so we're going to talk about money just a little bit. So um when you're, you know, looking at the price of a lease, is that price reflective of like the quality of the deer or is it more just about, you know, the size, the amenity, the makeup, or, you know, is it kind of like, could you say it's somewhat you get what you pay for? Like if, if you, if an area is proven to produce big deer, is that going to be a little bit more expensive? Yeah, it, it definitely plays a, a role in determining that, <clears throat> but I don't really set prices, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really set prices. Landowners, if they don't have a clue, I will tell them what I think their property's worth. But a lot of landowners today, they're educated. They're they're on Facebook, they're on you know different websites, they're they're shopping, they talk to uh, the uh, local uh, warden in their area and uh, they're educated. So, and then some of them also, they don't want to mess with it unless it's worth it to them. So. You know, in some cases, you know, the properties, if there's no cattle on the property, the price goes up. If there's uh, wheat and soybeans and, and uh, corn uh, located in the area, the price goes up. If, if you know, there's lots of things that uh, determine that. Uh, tree uh, ground cover uh, plays a big part in it. Um, <clears throat> but on the properties that I've had out in Western Oklahoma since 1999, I have quite a few of them out there. Um, out there, it's it's uh, the landowners haven't been as involved with that. I do have some that call me every now and then and say, "Hey, I want to go up this year," uh, but for the most part, they don't. Um, I've had two price increases since 1999, and one of them was because I added uh, hunting lease insurance for all the hunters and the landowners. Mm -hmm. uh, it covers ladder stand accidents, you know, tree stands, UTVs. Uh, weapon accidents, things of that nature. But uh, <clears throat> so I don't really uh, go up on prices much, but if a landowner calls me and tells me they want more money, that, then I go up on the price. But yeah, you're right. I mean, 
a lot of it is based on the quality of deer. Uh, it could be based a little higher because of the county that it's located in being known for, you know, big deer. Uh, but anymore in Oklahoma, you can go on public land and shoot a monster deer. You can go mm -hmm. just about in any county and shoot a monster deer. It's, mm -hmm. it's changed a lot since I grew up hunting. And, you know, if you saw a doe, it was a big deal at the campfire that evening. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah i uh i did an episode with my great uncle I, I guess it was about a year ago now and uh he grew up along the red river and uh i remember he he talked about seeing his first deer ever he's uh he's yeah. like 83 years old now i think 82 83 uh -huh. and uh and yeah we talked a little bit about you know how he started hunting and all that stuff so it, it was very you know Walking around the woods today, it's hard to imagine that, you know, not that long ago, you know, 60 years or so, that seeing a deer at all was a huge deal. Oh, it, it's it's very true. I mean, you know, nowadays guys will come in from camp or from uh, hunting and they'll say, ah, I only saw 10 does today. <laughs> yeah. You know, I only saw five does this morning. Yeah. Or I only saw a basket rack buck. I mean, back then, if you saw a buck, it was a real big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's changed a lot, and that's great. Um, but uh, it's definitely not what it was when I was a kid growing up hunting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, I want to talk a little bit about you know your specific business, your website, and everything. So let's say I'm listening to this and I'm interested in a lease. What do I need to do to get one? Well, what you would uh, start off doing is you'd go to the website, which is US Hunts. Uh, dot com and uh, when you get on there we like i said earlier it's kind of like a vrbo so when you get on there you can uh, go to uh, select a state select a county that you want to hunt in somewhere maybe around your house you can select the lease type and then you can click on search and once you do that let me just do it here real quick while i'm on the phone or while we're on the line here together <clears throat> so once you select the county and let's select whitetail let's go to search uh, it's going to sort all the properties that we have based on the criteria that you just uh, asked about and then up at the very top there's uh, more filters you can filter this by and one of the most important filters i think for any hunter looking for a place is lease status it's a drop down you click on that and then you click available because you don't really want to see what's not available mm -hmm. if you're looking. Once you do that, it sorts the properties by available. Uh, you can scroll through the properties. We have photos uh, on the uh, website and then some of our properties have drone videos on them. You can watch a video of the property um, and you can kind of read there how many cattle are on the property or is there cattle on the property, uh, camping if it's allowed or not or guest allowed. Um, we started something this year um, that it's uh, it's called a shared bag limit. And the way that works is it's not on every one of our properties, but it's on a lot of them now. So if you have a property and your buddy, two hunters, go in and purchase a property and the landowner is okay with making it a family member uh, lease, which means your wife and kid could come with you. In the state of Oklahoma, that one hunter with his wife and kid could shoot six bucks, okay? And that's too many off of 160 acres. That's too many off of 320 acres. Um, <clears throat> and it's really too much on 640 acres, in my opinion. But so the way it works is, is that your wife and your kid 
if they both shoot a buck, you're done. Mm -hmm. So they can't, it counts towards your bag limit. So that's called the shared bag limit. Um, some of our properties <clears throat> you'll see when you're scrolling through have big game limits uh, selected as yes or no. Uh, and that's a, uh, I can't remember now what it is, but it's a buck that's uh, I think 18 inches wide, four points on each side, inch and a half bases um, uh, is the requirement on those properties. So <clears throat> we've tried to get a little bit more management focused and, uh, I, I just, uh, I think that's really important because you don't want uh, a hunter to move leases every year, uh, get mm -hmm. on one, shoot six bucks, get on another one, shoot six bucks. Next guy comes in and there's nothing there. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we've kind of gone that route. But basically that's a, a long answer to your question, but you scroll down, uh, you can see, like I said, the photographs, and then there's a map <clears throat> and it's driving directions. If you click on that, It'll open up uh, Google Maps and you can get how far away it is from where you're at and including directions to the property. Um, some of the properties require <clears throat> that uh, we contact the landowner and set up a meeting because the, the landowners want to meet the hunters before they give them you know, full access to the property. They want to check a box, basically. Mm -hmm. We do screen hunters when they call. We talk to them, get to know them a little bit, see what they're like. Uh, we really want high quality people uh, going on this private land and uh, that's what the landowners want as well for the most part and basically we set up an appointment <clears throat> the hunters will go out they'll meet with the landowner uh, take a tour of the property uh, visit for a while and if they decide they want the property then they can purchase it at that point gotcha all right very cool and then um yeah, I was playing around on your website, obviously, before we got on here and stuff. And I noticed there was like some early bird stuff. So talk a little bit about uh -huh. uh, kind of subscriptions and how that stuff works. Sure. So on the early bird membership, we had hunters for a long time. I used to keep a, a spreadsheet and people would call me and they would say, hey, give me a call if this property opens or hey, give me a call if you get a property in Caddo County or wherever. And I did that and I did it for a long time and it just got to the point where we had too many requests for that. And so we came up with the early bird membership and uh, that basically allows you to preview a property. If you're a member, uh, every time a property opens uh, that wasn't renewed or we add a property, you'll get an email and it'll allow you to view details that's not available to just a general person visiting our website. Mm -hmm. It'll allow you to schedule a meeting to go see it, meet with the landowner, and even purchase the property before it even goes live on the website. Mm -hmm. um, and that's uh, that expires once you uh, purchase it, <clears throat> the property. It'll expire once you purchase a property mm -hmm. for the $89. But the annual pass, which is $135, does not uh, cancel except for yearly. So that's for people that are looking for three or four properties or more than one property mm -hmm. uh, because they want to be notified early, but they don't want it to expire. As soon as they purchase a property, they want to be able to view new ones that come out. So gotcha. we have two different memberships. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. You kind of answered uh, my next question. I was going to ask if, you know, so let's say somebody has a specific thing in mind, you know, they want to be in a certain County or they're looking for, you know, maybe they're looking for a, a bear hunting property or something like that. Y'all don't uh -huh. take like specific requests for that. 
No, no, we don't. It's if you if you purchase a membership, uh, whether it be the eighty nine dollar or the one hundred thirty five dollar one, you're going to get notified of every new or unrenewed property that becomes available. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then I noticed on uh, several of them, it had like you know camping is allowed or not allowed or something. Do y'all ever get any properties that have like you know a little house or cabin on them, or what about like campers yeah. and stuff like that? Yes, we do get properties. We've got one up in Nevada County uh, that's got a cabin on it, and <clears throat> we've got properties that have homes on them, um, and we do have some uh, landowners that will allow campers to be brought into their property. Um, some of them won't, and so then that becomes a challenge for the hunters to find a, a campground or a KOA or something in the area mm -hmm. uh, where they could stay at, but I always try to encourage the landowners to allow camping on their property because that's a big part of you know the hunting experience yeah uh, with the families and everything definitely definitely so so just because it says camping doesn't necessarily mean you can bring a camper right no if it says camping you're going to be able to bring in your rv or trailer or something okay. like that if it says camping allowed and the box is checked then you're going to be able to you know bring your rv or tent okay. or you know whatever Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Good. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Man, I, I got uh, I got one more question here, and we actually okay. touched on we touched on it a little bit, which I wasn't expecting, and I haven't decided if this is a question or more of just a statement or a, a word vomit, but just because you're kind of in the leasing business and you've been all over the state, I thought you'd be a, a good person to kind of talk this talk about this with so um two big big names in the hunting industry uh bill winky and lee likoski um both of them in iowa both of them very well known both very smart successful deer hunters um but as i've kind of you know studied and learned from them they have two very very different um just uh ideas i guess when it comes to land and hunting ground and stuff so uh, Bill Winky, he would pretty much only buy land if it touched his current land. And I know uh, he, so he sold his farm a few years ago, but I think when he sold it, he had almost 2,000 acres, all contiguous. You know, basically his thinking was that I can control deer somewhat on this. You know, I know deer are wild creatures and stuff, but hypothetically, you know, a deer could live its entire life on this property. I have control of it. Um, yeah. Whereas Lee, he kind of takes the other approach. I, I want to say, I think he has one or two, you know, kind of larger farms, but he has tons and tons of, you know, 150 acre track. I think he has one that's like 48, you know, t basically he, he's doing like a checkerboard pattern and his thinking yeah. is not putting all of his eggs in one basket. Um, you know, if there's EHD or CW, you know, whatever, if there's like a disease or a yeah. drought, maybe it takes out this uh -huh. herd, but not this herd and blah, 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 blah. So I guess, like I said, we, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but, you know, if, if you had your rathers, 
um, would you rather have one 1,000 acre property or would you have two 300 acre properties? Could I have two 1,000 acre properties? I mean, I, I guess if you got the money, <laughs> if, you, if you got the money, go for it. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, the reason I, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. that's a tough question, to be honest. I mean, I don't think either one of them are wrong. Uh, yeah. 2,000 acres, you can manage it, you can, you know, grow your deer. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know what's on the other side of you, but if you communicate with the landowners next to you or the hunters next to you anymore, I mean, most people, they're trophy hunting. Uh, mm -hmm. They're not out shooting anything that moves. Uh, mm -hmm. The guys today, you know, we're not eating the deer like we used to when we were younger. And and it's a mess to clean them, you know. I mean, it's a chore to clean them. And so if it's not worth cleaning, a lot of guys don't pull the trigger. Now, I know that's not true of everybody, but that's mm -hmm. true of a lot of people today. Mm -hmm. um, so having a big tract of land, uh, you know, gives you a lot of uh, management opportunities. Um, however, because everyone's trophy hunting today, I don't really see that near as big of a problem. You do still have people that are hunting for me, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't know that either one's wrong. Yeah. You know? I, I guess I thought you might be the person to ask because, uh, like I said, one, you, you get to see all these different properties and travel all over and stuff. But but also, you know, like I can't afford one 1,000 acre property, much less two, like you mentioned. I um, but, yeah. you know, if I get together get together with a couple buddies and, you know, we can lease 2000 acres or whatever, um, you know, that's an option. Or maybe I just go in by myself and for the same amount of money, lease, you know, 80 acres here, 160 acres here, that type of thing. And so I, I was just curious what, yeah. what your thoughts were on that. I see, I see both take place in my business because we do have some very large pieces of property and it takes multiple people to go in and uh, sit down together and kind of formulate a plan. Um, but then I have <clears throat> leases where it's two hunters and most of my leases are at least two hunters because mm -hmm. most guys want to have a buddy. Uh, but I really don't have a solid answer. I'm sorry, but I just mm -hmm. think that uh, either option works well. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it always depends on the property you're hunting too. You mm -hmm. know, um, Like we said earlier, some properties that cost a lot less don't have a lot of the same attributes as properties that cost a lot more. Mm -hmm. And with some of the landowners, uh, just kind of going back on pricing, they'll contact me and, you know, they'll tell me what they think their property's worth. In fact, I had a conversation with a guy uh, just last night about this. And I had been speaking to him, I think three days earlier, and he made a comment to me uh, that he thought all his properties were, was worth $10 an acre. And, I said, well, I haven't laid eyes on them yet. I haven't seen them, but I know the area and that area that seems a little rich uh, for, for those properties. And so I have Onyx just like everybody else or HuntWise or whatever app you used. And uh, <clears throat> so I called him back last night and I said, hey, I just want to uh, shoot straight with you here. I said, I've looked at your properties and I said, you've got a bunch of properties and there's a lot of them that just don't have any cover on them. Uh, now I can't see them and they may have, you know, mesquites or bushes, lots of, lots of things like that, or real tall grass, but, you know, it's doubtful that they're going to bring 10 an acre. And I don't want to mislead you and make you think that we're going to put them on the website at that and they're going to lease because they'll just sit there. Mm -hmm. I said, you, you got to be reasonable. And I said, just like when you buy property to run cattle, 
you're looking for how many cattle will it hold? Is there a live creek on it for water? There's things that you look for that makes you pay more for that property. I said, it's no different with hunters. They're looking for certain attributes. And if those attributes are there, it makes your property more valuable. But if you don't have those attributes, you're not going to bring, you know, the top dollar that you're looking for. So I try to educate uh, the landowners as best as I can. Landowners are proud people and they, they should be, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, I try to educate them as, as uh, professionally and gently as I possibly can. Um, the other thing too, is I'll have landowners that call me and, or send a, <clears throat> send a, a website response into me and, they're wanting to know how much I can get for their land. Well, on the uh, form that they fill out on the website, it says, is this property currently leased? And they select yes or no. So if I get that form in, I'll give them a call and I'll start talking to them about what's going on with the property and, you know, what's the relationship been with the hunters? Oh, the hunters are are great. You know, they've been just perfect. And I said, well, then, you know, let me ask you, why are you calling me if you've had, you know, good, good luck with your hunters and you've got a good rapport with them and you can trust them. And well, I just want to see, you know, how much more it's worth. And I tell people, I don't take property from hunters. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that have this misconception that I'm going around stealing land from hunters. I don't do that. In fact, I steer people back to the hunters. I tell them, go talk to your hunters, see if they'll pay you a little bit more per acre. I'm sure they will because they don't want to lose their property. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've had landowners call me before and say, that they've leased properties to people from out of state or something, for example, and they trashed the place and didn't follow the rules. Now that's a different story. I will help that type of a landowner. But uh, if they call me or I've got, I don't know how many times it happens when they call me and they talk to me, I encourage them to go back and talk to their hunters because I do not take property from other hunters. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to open up private land that other landowners uh, have never leased out before. And uh, they don't know how to do it. They don't want to fool with it. It's not worth their time. So they just want to hire a service like mine to take care of it for them. And that's probably 90% of the properties that I have. They're, they're landowners that wouldn't normally lease their property. So whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I meant to touch on but didn't have in my notes. Um yeah, you have a spot on your website where if people are landowners, maybe they're not hunters or just looking to put a little extra money in their pocket, that they can reach yeah. out to you to, mm-hmm. you know, help so that you can help find them somebody to lease their property. Yeah, and I, I've actually helped landowners before that didn't want to use my service for whatever reason. I don't know why they wouldn't, uh, but I've helped them lease their property out. They've asked, called and asked me questions and what should I do in this case and that case? And, you know, I mean... There's so much land out there. There's there's tons of land for everybody. There's no point in being selfish or ridiculous about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Glad to hear there's plenty out there. That's good. It's good news. Yep. <laughs> All right. I got, I got one more real quick question that I get asked mm-hmm. all the time, especially since I'm a part of the, the Sportsman's Empire. So I have lots of guys from other states that message me and stuff. And everybody wants to know where – the best place in Oklahoma is to hunt. So, you know, if you've used the interstates oh, and split gosh. it up into four quarters, uh, I've asked this to several people. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to pick a corner, which corner are you picking? Man, that's tough. 
mm-hmm. I see pictures of deer all over the four corners of the yep. state. That's kind of that's that's that. honestly my answer. Usually, when I get asked, it's like, man, there's yeah. there's pockets in anywhere you yeah. want to go, you can find some good deer. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I uh, I look for land that hasn't been leased before. I look for land next door that's maybe uh, uh, Indian land or government land or um, you know, some, some land that the, you're, no one's allowed to hunt on the property mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, or, you know, I think it's, uh, uh, really good to have land right next door to a, a public hunting area as well. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of those people that go in there just push all the animals off. But, mm-hmm. um, I look more at those types of things, to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, it has, has, if it's never been leased before, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then if there's land all around it that's never been leased before, isn't there's no hunting allowed on it, that's a big deal. Yeah. So <clears throat> to answer your question, I like Western Oklahoma, Northwestern Oklahoma. I love Putnam, Oklahoma. It's a beautiful area out there. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's a different style of hunting. You take mm-hmm. a guy that's been hunting, you know, over around uh, Pontotoc County or Nawada County, and there's trees and hills and all this stuff everywhere, and you send them out there, they're like, what? Why, mm-hmm. why would you want to hunt? Mm-hmm. But it's a it, it's a, just a different style of hunting, and I do yeah. love Eastern Oklahoma hunting as well. It's beautiful, but uh, you know, I think I would have a spot on both sides of the state, which I do. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, I that's, get to see both sides of the beauty. Uh huh. And that's kind of what I always tell people too. Like, you know, honestly, I think it really depends on how you want to hunt. You know, if you're a big yep. timber person, stay east. If you're a spot and stock, probably find somewhere in the middle. And, you know, if you yep. want to hunt some big country, some draws, some canyons, just go further west. Yep. And so we, you're right. We're we're pretty blessed. We're pretty blessed. Yes, we are. We do have a lot of uh, different uh, topography in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nice. Yep. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I was going to tell you, too, is on our uh, uh, well, on our service, the hunters get to renew their property every year. So we don't mm-hmm. like uh take it away from them uh, or try to charge them extra. Now, if a landowner calls me and tells me he wants to go up, we're going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have an increased cost, like adding the insurance when we did that, we're going to go up. But mm-hmm. for the most part, every year, everyone's renewing at the same price they paid the year before. And we send out email reminders uh, to the hunters, uh, reminding them, that, hey, your lease is expiring in 30 days. Hey, your lease is expiring in 20 days. Hey, your lease is expiring and so on and so forth. And uh, they can auto renew. There's a, a control panel on the website where they can get in and manage their account. Um, so that's the other nice thing is that, you know, they do get to renew their property and we're not going to go up automatically every year just because we've got hundreds on a property. Uh, yeah. That's not how we operate. Nice. Very nice. Awesome. Well, real quick, before we get out of here, Greg, anything that I missed, anything you wanted to to say that I didn't bring up any last minute details? And I don't think so. Between you and I, I think we covered a lot of the important things. If uh, if anybody wants to you know, learn more, they can always give me a call. Uh, phone number is 405-674-4868. Uh, you can also email me uh, off the website. And, uh, you know, I'm always happy to, I talk to hunters a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they call me a lot. We talk about properties. We talk about hunting uh you know it, last year was a weird year for deer hunting for a lot of us including myself uh but uh 
you know, I'm, I'm always available uh, to chat and uh, just reach out with any questions you may have. Okay. Awesome. Well, Greg, I really, really appreciate it. This was very informative. I think I got pretty much everything I was hoping for out of it. So, so yeah, if you're listening to this, go check, check them out at U.S. Hunts. And until next time, I think that's going to do it this week, Greg. Thank you, John. I appreciate uh, inviting me on and uh, enjoyed talking to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. We'll see you later. Yep. Take care. Another great episode in the books, an awesome topic, something that, you know, I keep saying this, but I've wanted to cover hunting leases for a while. I just have basically no experience with them. Um, I've hunted on other people's leases, but I've never actually had a lease myself. And so thank you, Greg, for coming on, teaching us all about it. And, uh, and yeah, just showing us the ropes and how it works. So go check them out, ushunts.com. Get out there, chase some cool critters, explore some other parts of the state. And like I keep saying, guys, deer season's going to be here before we know it. And so that's all I got for y'all. Um, pray for rain, as always. It's looking like this next week is going to be brutally hot. I'm seeing like some 104s and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, my, my hopes and prayers go out to everybody. Stay cool, pray for rain, and that's going to do it for this week. So thank you guys once again for listening. And until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.